When it comes to non-organic living creatures, how big is too big? Is, is there? Yeah. Are you talking well, about real world or no? I mean, we're talking about D and D, but we yeah. can also go real world. Uh, honestly, you know what? A planet-eating construct would be pretty cool. Like a Galactus yeah. or, or Unicron kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. I was thinking more like the Statue of Liberty with a vacuum cleaner from Spaceballs. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. The right. Stay Puft uh, Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Although I would probably ar- argue that is organic. As long as it was organic marshmallows. Yeah, I suppose yeah. that's true. I mean, I just, before I left home here not an hour ago, saw a trailer for the... The Power Rangers movie that's coming straight to Netflix soon. Oh, because of course, yes. Yeah, it's uh, the thirty years later, the original. Well, the four of the six original. Yeah, uh, coming back to to, you know, it's like once and always or something. Is is the okay. the name of the movie? Interesting. Yeah, it's it looks it looks great. Yeah, it looks real good. Straight to Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you know it'll be good. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of, of the giant construct. I mean, Pacific Rim, that is my fucking jam. It is okay. the so The first good. one, yeah. nailed it. The second one was a shit movie, but they fucking nailed it. It was for still monster, fun. For monster on giant robot action, like Jaeger, Kaiju, Throwdown, yeah. fucking nailed it. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode, where we continue our conversation on monsters in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I'm Dave, and with me today are Brad and Kyle, and this episode is called Constructs, Organic Metal Gents to Panic Settlements. I like this one. (laughs) I figure, like, that took... A little bit of engineering. It did, yeah. yeah. Some slant it works, rhyme. It works, though. Some slight slant rhymes. In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters is going to sit down and look at three constructs that tower over cities and literally crush heroes under their heels. So you better start leveling up and sending your DM an edible arrangement because the three monsters of the day range from CR 18 to CR 25. And all are featured in books featuring exclusively... Tier 1 Adventures. Okay, on that, I have a couple of questions. So, are you guys familiar with the the idea of Chekhov's gun? Yes, if it's shown, it must be fired. Yeah, exactly. So, my question is, would you put this, would you put something like this in Tier 1, in a Tier 1 Adventure, even if the players are never going to be able to fight it? Or not going to be able to interact with it in any way, I guess? 100%. Absolutely. These are not... These are the kind of thing that you can fight, but they're not supposed to be fought. These are mm. part of the environment, not part of the, you know, things to fight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into it more, but like the ones that I'm going to discuss are, they may, you may not even ever see them move. As far as the players are concerned, they are not even sentient. Yeah. Okay. They are purely set pieces. All right. Interesting. Okay. Now my second question is this, for like gargantuan creatures like this. Should knocking them prone deal fall damage? Because it's a long way down for some of these. Yes, but how are you going to knock some of these prone? Like, it's going to take some real force. I mean, yes, but also no. I mean, I feel like it's, at this point, you've got magical giant walking things. You can hand wave that they don't fall. 
Yeah. Or break apart when or they, they fall, may right? stumble and catch themselves or something like that. Yeah. And or I mean like things here, like earthquake sure. specifically knocks a creature prone. They're still creatures. Now, let's know even if they fall, your players should probably be making dexterity saves to avoid being crushed. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course, you'd have to you know got to dive out of the way, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Interesting. Let's cut to an ad break. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on monsters in 5th edition. For all of those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. And if you'd like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you'd like to pay for some ad space on It's Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. This week on the It's a Mimic podcast, we're going to be... Okay, I know that you guys aren't actually listening to this and you just skip your way through it anyway, so... uh, It's way too long for ad breaks and you've heard enough of my voice over the last four years, so... I'm pretty sure that if you're skipping it, I can say whatever I want. Do-do-do-do-do-do, here we are. I'm singing over the commercial music and I'm sure it's clashing in horrible ways. Um, anyways, you get undead, and then, and then the bronze tier of the Patreon is going to get a Legend Lore episode on a different kind of game, actually. Uh, we're going to be covering a game called Spire, with a voice that nobody's ever heard before. So, um, well, I mean, on the podcast. Anyway, this is garbage time, and we're wasting it. La 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 la. Boop boop doop boop boo as a total sidebar, I'm going to be low-key impressed with this episode because we record these commercials halfway through the editing process, um, so I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the episode. I've just listened to it up until this point, and I, uh, I'm i going to be surprised if they manage to go this entire episode without making some comment about gigantic, large-sized marital aids. I mean, come on, we're talking about massive constructs somebody's gonna bring it up right like at least like like looking up the skirts of a statue or something like these guys are we gonna are we gonna see how long it takes for these three to get perverted anyway anyway i guess we uh should probably wrap this up here and um if you actually have listened to it this far uh, through this commercial i am i am impressed and proud of you and you know what give yourself some inspiration on on your next d20 roll Anyway, let's get back to the episode. All right, everybody, let's start and roll some dice here. Let's uh, decide who's going to break down what first here. Let's do it. I got a 12. (laughs) I got 11. All right. So, that's you, actually, Dave. Uh, I'll just go after you guys, because I got another thing here. It's going to be a little bit interesting. All right, well, then I guess with an 11, I'm going to go next. So, with no more fanfare, let's cut straight to it. I'm here today to talk about the walking statues of Waterdeep. These things are massive, and you will first come across them in Waterdeep Dragon Heist is the book that features them. Uh, Again, right at first level, you very well may see these things. Um, There are eight enormous stone statues, each with a unique form, that tower over the city of Waterdeep. Uh, They're located in various areas throughout the city, but effectively what they are is they are constructs that came from the ethereal plane and have either come to Waterdeep to protect or invade, sometimes both. 
So, because there are eight of them, let's just jump right in. There's a lot to discuss. Holy crap. All right. Yeah. So, for over 100 years, there has been one walking statue residing in Waterdeep at the base of Mount Waterdeep. Uh, specifically in a place called Gull Leap. The statue originally had the form of a bald man staring out to the sea. So, picture Dan sitting on a bench, <laughs> watching the waves go by. Yeah. All right, all right. And then just blow it up and make him out of stone. Okay. Large stone Dan. Gotcha. Yeah. Rock hard. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who listened all the way through the commercial break, that was 93 seconds. Uh, so... About 100 years, based on current, right? We're going to go with current timeline for 5th edition. About 100 years prior to where we are now, Waterdeep was invaded by an army of Sahuagin, and the statue came to life to drive them back. So the statue was just sitting there chilling. Came out of nowhere from the ethereal plane. The history is not explained. Sahuagin invade, statue comes to life, drives them out. Okay. All right. That's convenient. Very. I thought, uh, when I was reading about them, it said that the black staff of Waterdeep brings them to life. No. So this gets really interesting. We'll cut, we'll get to that. The black staff at the time was unable to do anything to bring it to life. This thing, it was there. They couldn't figure out how to control it. Okay. Um, but in fact, the black staff couldn't even stop the thing once the Sahuagin army had been driven back. It stopped of its own volition over time. So... The Blackstaff of the time, so let's clarify, there are two Blackstaffs. There's the physical black staff that is the item, and there is the Blackstaff who is the leader of the Wizards Guild, right? The most powerful wizard in all of Waterdeep. Okay. Listen to our Waterdeep episode if you want to get into that. So it's a title and an item. It is a title yeah. and an item, and the two go hand in hand. Okay. The staff can only be attuned to by the black staff at the time. It was originally a nickname for a wizard. Correct. Because he carried a black he staff. He had the staff. I mean, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, and we then, ran into glass staff and exactly. like yeah. Was, yeah. So the title gets handed down with the staff as the position goes down. In fact, the black the black staff itself absorbs the soul of the keeper as it pa- as they pass. That's a bit of an asterisk on the job, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. your soul basically gets uh, integrated into the staff I mean, for all time. Sure, you read the fine print, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Absolutely. Uh, you're going to know the fine print if you are having this staff. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. This job comes with excellent benefits, healthcare, dental, you know. Internal and... damnation of your soul into a staff. Yeah. <laughs> Upon uh, death. Well, dental. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, at the time, after the Sahawagan were driven out, the black staff then transformed this form of the statue into a Sahawagan on bended knee, and it was given the name the Sahawagan Humbled. So if you see the statue... In Waterdeep, that's the way you would refer to it as the Sahuagin Humbled. Yeah. Okay. Big old fuck you to the Sahuagin forever. Exactly. (laughs) A massive Sahuagin on bended knee, bowing before the city, admitting defeat effectively. Yikes. All right. Okay. All right. So, give it another 90 years, almost 100 years, spell plague happens. Yeah. Everything gets shifty and shitty. Six statues appear out of nowhere from the ethereal plane. And materialize in the physical plane, material plane, in Waterdeep. Okay. So, ethereal to material. Their appearance in Waterdeep caused panic and a lot of destruction as these things just started rampaging through the city. Yeah, I mean, that would panic me too. If I was just like hanging out down at the store, getting some stuff. Yeah. And then these six giant... Yeah, six giant stone statues just... Yeah, just like show up and start walking around. And wreaking havoc. Yeah, that's fucked up, Absolutely. Right? It reminds me yeah. of The Simpsons when, uh, was it, Lard Lad gets the... 
comes to life, the, the, the oh, Halloween yeah, yeah, special, yeah, yeah, starts yeah. smashing. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah, yeah, that's terrifying. And you can picture okay. these things as big or small as you want because they're not given physical size descriptions. E- even yeah. better. So, to taste, just adjust. <laughs> <laughs> as they were rampaging through the city, three of them were able to be defeated or crushed by the forces of Waterdeep. The other three just inexplicably stopped moving. As suddenly as they appeared, they just stopped in place and froze. That's just that, got bored. That's worrisome. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like no no explanation, no reason, just they stopped. It's better to burn out than fade away, you know? Exactly. So let's start with the first one. The first one that appeared was well, they all appeared simultaneously, but the first one we'll cover, the great drunkard is his name. Imagine again, no species is being given to this. No okay. race is being given to this. It is simply just a giant stone statue that yielded a large battle axe. I personally picture dwarf, but it doesn't say that. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, battle axe. Yeah. yeah. And drunkard. drunkard yeah. 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 So when it stopped, so it was just walking through the city, dragging its axe, causing some chaos. It's as so, one does. As one does. Yeah. Suddenly this thing just stopped, decided to take a seat on top of the nearest building, and froze. Arms limped at its side, head on, down on its chest. Imagine a drunk guy who just suddenly passed out and sat down on the nearest tree stump. I don't need to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. Um, as he did so, he actually placed the head of his battle axe in down, and it is still embedded in the cobblestones of the street well, next I, to the building that he's sitting on. Yeah, I expect it to be quite the, the hassle to... to Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the thing's still sitting there. Yeah. Um, at this point, there is now a two-story tavern that was built in its lap called Gralkin's Tankard. <laughs> all right so the tavern was built out of the debris of the buildings that he crushed sure it was reclaimed and they also built this large kind of stepping ramp down from the lap of the giant to the ground okay that they will actually roll drunkards down okay <laughs> so what came first the name or the bar it's a good question well the bar would have been built and they would have named it after where it was living i would okay. imagine and grelkin is the proprietor of the tavern all right all right, second statue, the Lady Dreaming. This statue is in the form of a female elf. Despite the fact that she is made of stone and is completely frozen in time, there is like a fluidity. Her hair flows, her body is just kind of, like the clothing on her seems to be fluid. It's not actually moving, but it's sculpted in a way. Yeah, it's like you ever seen those like old Greek statues where yes. it looks so realistic? So real. Yeah, like that, right? It's exactly yeah. like that. Perfect. Yeah. Um, when she stopped... She toppled onto her side in a like a semi-prone position, like she's sleeping. Kind of arm out, head on her arm, just in a sleeping position. It doesn't specifically say it in the book, but my interpretation from what it says is that they are now built these beautiful gardens around her. Okay. And she's just like laying there on her side. She's just lying there on the... Yeah. yeah. So she's like dropping like, like one of your elf girls? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Number three, the Honorable Knight. This statue is a male warrior in full plate holding a shield and a longsword. This guy came through and just started swinging. I bet he'd be a very long sword if he's giant. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, no size is actually given, so use your imagination and flavor to taste. Uh, before stopping his assault on Waterdeep, so again, he's one of the ones that just kind of froze in place. Before he stopped, he bowed, sheathed his weapon, put his shield at his side, hand on top of the shield, and then froze in place like that for the rest of Ever since. Okay. Has not moved. This one is the one that stares out over the harbor water deep like this. It's this ancient guard just keeping watch. Okay. So it is just maintained there. Keeping watch. Has not moved. Like the Titan of Bravos Or the Colossus of Bravos. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I was picturing kind of like the, um, 
the statues in Lord's or in uh, Lord of the Rings, right? As they're going down the river, yeah. and they've got the two guards on either side. Imagine one of those yeah. cool. keeping watch. All right. All right. Next one. This will be everybody's favorite. The Hawkman. <laughs> All, All right. right. So this is a giant man with bird-like features. At this point, we can just say they're Aarakocra. Um, specifically, it points out that it just has bird-like wings and a beak like a bird. Yeah. And then it goes and says, kind of like an Aarakocra. I'm like, you could have just said that off the top. Thanks, book. <laughs> I guess it doesn't look like it has feathers. It does. Yeah. yeah well, no. on the wings, but like on the body. No, the whole body too. Like it's oh, a hawk. Okay. It looks like a hawk. All right. A humanoid hawk. So an, a hawk Aarakocra, effectively. They just kind of buried the lead for some reason. So, this one was actually brought down, one of the ones that was brought down during the invasion of the city. It has a significant lean to it, as it is now missing its right foot and its right chunks of its right arm, both of which have been taken from it over the years for rebuilding purposes. Okay. So they kind of hacked away at this thing, they brought it down, it's kind of leaning this way, Yeah. kind of over on its side, and uh, every piece that... They can take, they've used for building purposes. Well, that's not going to piss it right off if it comes back to life. Right. What's it going to do? Run you down? Like, right. Come on. It, it gets better than that. <laughs> that's just the start. The statue has also been hollowed out from the inside and is now a tower that people reside in. Okay. So you took this living construct that just suddenly stopped moving for no reason, hollowed it out, and are now living inside of it. Okay. So yeah. there are multiple wealthy families within Waterdeep that live in this place. It's called Sparrant Tower, which is the name of the person who basically ordered the construction of the tower. The left arm is sticking straight out with a palm in a stop position, right? Imagine crossing guard, putting their hand out, stop. Under the hand, there is now a courtyard, right? So it's kind of underneath in the shade of it, they built this beautiful courtyard. And in the center of the courtyard is a bell. In order to gain access to this tower, you ring the bell and they'll lower down a rope ladder for you to climb up to the palm of the hand, walk down the arm like a giant hallway, and then inside the body of this thing are apartments. Best clubhouse ever absolutely that's just too much of a hassle yeah yeah uh, to be fair to if for guests like yourself they have built more of a lift rather than a rope ladder it says specifically for the infirmed but we'll let you ride as well <laughs> i'm comfortable with that. Yeah. <laughs> all right so that's four we got a few more to go here sword maiden the sword maiden is almost identical to the honorable Nate that we discussed earlier the one that was keeping watch over the harbor the only difference is that she is clearly female, which I don't know what that means under plate armor, but use your imagination. And obviously, her, she because it's female, they have to show that it's female, so she has an open-faced helmet. Okay. All yeah. right? So, she was defeated during the invasion in inside the North Ward and has since been largely dismantled and is used for bury, building materials around the ward as well. So, another one that's been kind of taken apart. Her head sits in front of a stand of tall trees. Imagine within the city, just a little cloister of trees. Her head has been placed there. The jaw and the mouth have been hollowed out. Sorry, the whole head's been hollowed out. The jaw and the mouth have been removed and replaced with a giant oaken door. Okay. Inside of here resides uh, an ex-adventurer named Undivur Thort. Again, no race has applied to him, but I picture dwarf. Um, Because of the fact that the head of this thing is said to be filled with multiple levels... And it's kind of stoneworky, stoneworky, yeah. and things like that. So Makes sense. I can see it gives that. me a dwarf vibe, but play it how you want it, as it's not said. Um, he is an ex-adventurer, and he runs a shop called Thort's Findings, also inside the head. Um, that shop is mostly filled with curiosities, adventuring, knickknacks, things like that that people brought back. Yeah. So uh, wealthy families will come and rent stuff from him for parties or things like that, or adventurers will sell or buy from him as they pass through town. That's all right. Yeah, cool little spot. All right, and the last one of the invasion there, number six, the Godcatcher. This is probably the biggest and most impressive of them all. 
Um, this statue stands out as it's close to the marketplace. It's close to the center of town, the city. Like, everyone's going to see it, and this thing is massive. He was defeated by the army, specifically by the black staff of the time, who caused the ground under him to basically give way. And so if you walk up to the statue, you'll actually see that his left leg is buried up to the hip okay. into the ground, and he's got his right leg planted and his left arm planted as if he's trying to hoist himself and pull himself out of the ground. But he's frozen in that position. His right hand stretches up to the sky, palm facing upwards, and floating above the open palm, so not connected, but floating, freestanding, is a giant stone orb that just sits there. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so hence the god catcher, right? There's something mysterious, there's something magical about it, it there's something very special. Interestingly enough, as statues want to do, or as birds want to do, they'd like to perch on this stone sphere and shit all over the place. As one does, yes. As, yeah. as, as a bird would do. Yeah. If I was a bird, right? <laughs> yeah, right? What else are you going to do for fun? Yeah. However, the way that it's fall, the bird shits fall, basically, it's formed underneath the eyes of the statue, and it almost looks like it's weeping. It gives it a weeping effect. Okay. I mean, I'd cry if the birds, birds shat in my eye. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is also a housing complex built into this statue. Just, We're noticing a theme, hey? Guys, come yeah. on. It's just like big, large things moving around. And you're like, hey, let's build a house here. They're not moving anymore. What's the worst that could happen? I mean, honestly, it is the best way to show off possible. I right? mean, like, yeah. this thing destroyed a city. I'm going to live in it. Yeah. Right? It is a flex. Yeah. The biggest flex of all, though, is the landlord of this place is a sorceress by the name of Andra Blackcloak. And she resides inside the floating sphere. Okay. There's no bridge. There's no way in. There's no ladder. There's simply a door that opens on the side, and she will sometimes appear out of it and appear elsewhere. Uh, she's fairly well re respected in the city. She deals well, but she's also quite mysterious. Yeah, so, I mean, I would respect someone that lives in the floaty orb and yeah. just kind of shows up. And whenever yep. she does show up somewhere, she always appears on, like, balconies and rooftops. Weird. Yeah. So, lots of flavor there if you want to mix something in for yourself. All right. So we've covered seven so far. There's one more to go. Those were the six that appeared in the Spell Plague. Now, about a decade, a hundred years after the Spell Plague, a decade ago now in game time, the eighth and most recent statue appeared. Its name is the Griffin, for obvious reasons. It is effectively just a giant stone griffin. Uh, they say the back is about 20... This is the only one that has some size reference. The okay. back of this thing, standing on all fours, is about 20 feet off the ground. It's about the right size for like a storm giant to ride, something like that. Okay. Make That'd a pretty good cool. mount. Yeah. It would be super cool. So take that DMs and play with that. Please do. Um, the Griffin was capable of flight and it basically appeared to protect the city from an attack on one of the wizard towers. And then again, froze up. And now it sits stationary at the top of Mount Waterdeep, watching over the city. Did they specify what kind of attack? Uh, they did. Yeah, so the Griffin did appear during specifically to defend uh, Aragorn's tower as it was being attacked. It doesn't say who attacked it. It didn't bother to fill in the details. But All right. there was an attack on Argon's tower. The griffin appeared out of the ethereal plane and fought off whoever was invading and then froze in place. Oh, well, that's fucked up. So someone's watching. Clearly yeah. there's something going on. Yeah. Oh, mm. shit. All right. Yeah. I mean, that said, the other six just appeared randomly during the spell plague. But, I mean, it doesn't matter who's watching. That shit fucked everything up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... All right, well, here, let's roll some dice. I got some questions. Let's All right. see how we're doing this. Oh, nat 20. Uh, nat 20 for me as well. Yeah, I got a 17, oh. and I'm going last. I guess we're rolling roll off. Roll off, roll off. I got a 6. Uh, 10. 
All right. All right. So if you guys were going to use this as part of a quest, how would you do it? Uh, I guess going first, I've had some time to think about this. The main way I would do this is I would actually just have them be as points of interest. Now, something I didn't mention was you brought up the black staff earlier. Mm. There is a stat for the black staff item, and it specifically has the ability to activate and deactivate these things by using a charge. Okay. okay. That said, when you read through the lore... The black staffs have not been able to animate or deanimate these things. Oh, it's missing a. So in the link. story, when you look at the story portion, they don't know how to do it. Yeah. Well, there's your. And in the lore, the only person who can attune to this item is the black staff. Yeah. So. It, and it specifically has that ability to waken them. To waken them. That's really weird. And yet. Maybe the real black staff has been captured, and this one's an imposter. Huh? Well, the first black staff, the very first one, was. An imposter as well, then I guess. Who was the first one? I guess. I mean, you could you could figure. You're it. gonna have to do some stuff, but basically, the only way for someone to be able to wield this weapon is for the weapon itself to choose the person. So you have to be worthy, uh, a la Thor, or they have to gain the title of Blackstaff and become the most powerful wizard in Waterdeep. So your players are not gonna get their hands on this unless you want to do some real Deus Ex Machina stuff. Yeah. yeah, this is your end of campaign, yeah. setting them up to be a thing after. Yeah, hey, I want my wizard to have this really cool thing and be a big deal. Yeah. So, realistically, that's the only way these things are getting activated. But, as you mentioned, you know, the Watchers. But, for me, I would just use them as set pieces. I like the idea of them being these foreboding things that are just watching over the city. No one knows what they do. They don't know how to activate them. They don't know. If they do come to life, they don't know how to stop them other than trying to break them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Kyle, what do you got? Uh, I mean, I like the idea of them slowly waking again, and you have to figure out how to stop it. I mean, you could either do that through an imposter Blackstaff, which would be kind of cool, um, or someone figured out how to rewire it. Yeah, you just... I mean, these things aren't wired, right? That's the thing. Well, I, I, I'm talking about rewiring like that black staff sure. kind of thing, and then so someone is trying to get into Waterdeep. And so your goal is to, I don't know, figure out a separate way of stopping them. Maybe by tracking down these secret watchers. Maybe they contact you and in the party and now they set you on a quest to find something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if I'm playing in a campaign and you present me with these giant structures that can walk around and fight and they have swords and there's like actual information on them and you dangle that in front of me, and they don't come to life, and I don't get to pilot one, and I don't get to fight the Kraken coming out of the ocean to attack Waterdeep, mm -hmm. I'm going to be pissed. Like, you set it up so big, you have to deliver. Yeah. And I, I, I like, that's that's what I wanted. Like, these are going to be in the background of my, my quest, but, like, this is, this is going to be, like, the final thing, right? This is yeah. the, mm -hmm. the end of the line. I mean, that said, I was, when I picture not doing anything with them, it's because I... Unless the players go around asking questions, as far as most people are concerned, these things are just frozen statues. Yeah, I mean, we've been playing yeah. in Water Deep, well, Dungeons and the Mad Mage for two and a half years now. Yeah. Have they ever come up? No, but we also haven't ever really done been the surface top. of yeah. the Water Deep. Yeah. I think it got described in the first, you know, uh, session when we yeah. were getting there, but that, yeah, that was about it. Yeah. Um, hey, there's these giant statues that tower over the city, and unless your players are really inquisitive on it, there's a good chance they won't find anything about, about them. Yep. So if they do wake up, surprise, yeah. right? Uh, what do you guys have in the way of like a role play opportunity for these? Brad, I think you were first there. Yeah. Um, so again, my role play would be external to them, but using them as a set piece, right? So you're going to come up to 
maybe there's just some old woman who's sitting in the marketplace and is telling all these stories and everyone's calling her a crazy lady saying like these things are not moving. But if one of your players takes the time to talk to her, they're going to find out that maybe she has a lot more information than they first cons- than they would first expect. Mm-hmm. And she will set them on a quest on how do they go about finding answers about what these things are? Can they be reanimated? And then I would probably send the players to the ethereal plane would be the next step. Well, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. if that's where they're specific. That's where these from, things are coming then, from. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that makes that, perfect. If sense. you're going to chase these things down, you have to go to the ethereal plane. Yeah. Okay. Will you, Kyle? Uh, so in some of the stuff I was reading, um, I found that uh, it talks about that these are smarter than your average constructs. It's not reflected in the stat blocks with their uh, one Which intelligence. Said we, we should cover that after this. I forgot the stat block. Yeah. yeah, yeah sure. Um, it doesn't cover it in the stat block with like the one intelligence and one charisma, but it's set in in the bits that I found. It says they are capable of learning and remembering things. So maybe not necessarily talking to the statue itself, but I was thinking maybe it remembers bits of conversations that can it can repeat to your players if you find the right prompts for it. Sure. Right? Like maybe you find a runic inscription somewhere in it, and if you say the words, um, these statues will repeat something to you that might be important to the plot. Just because they're moving doesn't mean they aren't witnessing what's going on around them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine, imagine being locked in their own prisons of their own bodies, right? Damn. Yeah. Unable to move, just watching the world go around them. Yeah. Waiting for the moment that they're reactivated again. But I mean, if it's just sitting there watching, think of the wealth of knowledge. Absolutely. Right? That, that was kind of where yeah, I was yeah, going yeah. with that, right? There's a lot of information they can take yeah. in. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone's going to be assuming that there's, there's no one watching. Well, guess what? There's somebody watching and listening at all times. Yeah, maybe it's convenient that they're located all over the city, right? So that they can get little snatches of everything. What? So maybe if you go around to each of them, you can pick up little pieces and put it all together into something bigger. Well, yeah, I mentioned that if there's more of them coming and the one showed up when the other one was being attacked, yeah, someone's watching, maybe these are the conduits for that watcher, right? Right. Could be. Yeah. But uh, I was thinking that the, the neat thing about these is, I mean, yeah, they've been around for a while if you're a human, but there's a lot of non-humans in the world. Uh, so it's not out of the realm of possibility to run into people who have been around when all of these had showed up. The to first one out. showed up just over 100 years ago. Like, it's not like they've been around a long time. Oh, exactly. There there are people out there that remember a statueless water deep, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think of the implication there. You, you could do a lot with that. Yeah. Right? Lots of opportunity. Uh, someone knows more than they're letting on kind of thing. Well, exactly, right? They were there from the beginning. Who Maybe there was someone working on the inside. There's the... The secret council in Waterdeep. Oh, yeah. Come absolutely. on, man. That's just absolutely... Asking for something. Exactly, yeah. right. Who's watching the Watchers? Somebody, right? Uh, what about exploration clues? I figure these are probably pretty pretty I easy mean, to explore here. Let's let's look at exploration, though. Some of these things have been hollowed out. Yep. Right? So what has been excavated? Was there anything found inside during the excavation of these things? If these things came from the ethereal plane, if, yeah. what does is there something more to what they've exactly? Yeah, and the other thing too is we brought it up right off the bat. Are these things not just going to come to life again? Like what is you? They built a tavern in the lap of the drunk one. They hollowed some of them out and built homes inside of them. Yeah, are they just expecting that nothing is going to happen? Like imagine what you could find for exploration of exploring these things inside out. Maybe there's some sort of pulse, magical pulse inside of them that is still beating. That just has not been discovered, right? Yeah. Ooh, Maybe there are like 
ley lines of magic that flow up through the thing, like a nervous system or like veins. Well, you said it happened in around the time of the uh, the spell plague. The spell right? plague. So mm-hmm. these things have to be loaded with some sort of magic. They come from the ethereal plane. There's something going on here that maybe no one has discovered. Yeah, or so maybe that, someone has, and that's why they built their things in it, like uh, uh, Andra Blackhawk. Oh, yeah, yes, the sorceress. Right? Nobody's been inside her little sphere that somehow is magically floating, mm-hmm. right? Maybe she knows something everybody else doesn't. She definitely does. Oh, yeah, is there's, there is shit going on in there, right? Yeah. And if I, as a player, am told that there is this sphere that's floating magically that no one has seen the inside of, guess where I'm going? Yeah, or going to want to infiltrate. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You right. can't dangle that in front of right. some players. And not you want exploration? <laughs> There's your exploration. Right. Or your set piece. How do you get inside of this orb? Well, that's just it. Like, every single one of them, I feel like you can get into or... Yeah, know, the rest of them are of fairly thing. accessible, right? Yeah. They're knock on a pass, ring a bell, befriend a noble, find a way into any of these places. But that sphere... Yeah. It can even get you into some interesting places. Like, with the guy catcher as well... It's sunk down into the sewer, and they yep. made stairs so you can access the sewer. Honestly, any one of them makes a great layer for a bad guy. Yeah, this yeah. just scream secret society, secret layers yeah. come to life. Crazy rituals in the sewer underneath. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you were going to use these in combat, how would you? I mean, these things. Would you? You know what? Now, you know what? <laughs> now, let's explore the stat block right now. I think now's the time for that. That's before. a good idea. So these things are. I think the weakest of what we're going to discuss today at a CR of only 18. Only? That said, there are eight of them in the city. So you activate more than one of these things. And... It's like 164. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so AC of these things? No idea. That's your math. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> AC, 17. Okay. All right. Fairly hittable, especially mm. at the levels you'll be dealing with these things. Hit points, 314 is the average hit points for these things. Or oh, 17 just, just D20 plus 136. Yeah. 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 Absolute stinks. Movement speed, I mean, they're giants, 60 feet. Yeah. All right. We discussed, right, there's no intelligence in these things. According to the stat block, no charisma. They're ones, right? They're not intelligent. Yeah. They're not charismatic. Um, that said, their strength and con are obviously through the roof. Everything else is flatlined. Yeah. Um, here's where it gets really interesting. They are immune to, ready? Cold, fire, poison, psychic, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, and obviously the last three from non-magical oh, or yeah, adamantine weapons will damage them. Interesting. Okay. All right. They have are also immune to charmed, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, stunned. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, they're not smart enough to be able to be no. any of those. Oh, you can't but petrify the giant statue? Exactly. <laughs> oh, no. But it ta- also takes a lot of... A lot away from a lot of your players at that sort of level, right? You're expecting to use more crowd control and things like that. No, you're just having yeah. to bludgeon these things to death. Yeah, you're going to have to get real creative. Yeah. Uh, that said, your players just use fireball and then find out that it's immune to fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these things also have true sight up to 120 feet, which is really cool. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Right? Like, true, so, well, I guess they're from the ethereal the, plane, so it makes sense. Exactly. They can into it as well. Yeah. And would also play into that bit that we talked about, right? Imagine there are the watchers who are just sitting in the city observing everything. Mm-hmm. True sight would 100% yeah. make sense for that. Uh, so when these things drop to zero hit points, if you can manage to whittle down all 314 hit points, uh, they will crumble to the ground and be destroyed. And any player within 30 feet of the statue has to make a DC 22 dexterity saving throw. Okay, or be crushed by the rock. Or be crushed, yeah. taking 4d10. 
bludgeoning damage or half on a saving throw. That's, that's alright. All right. Yeah. It's not too It's not massive, but it's at the very end you manage to take this thing down, you're celebrating, and oh by the way, dodge the rocks at yeah. DC I got three hit points left. Well actually, actually no. even if you make the save, yeah, yes, you're buried no. under the rock. Um obviously these things have immutable form, so they cannot be um altered in form in any way, shape, or form. Mm. Yeah. Um, they're obviously resistant to magic. There's no surprise there. Um, and they're considered to be siege monsters, right? So double damage to anything that is an object or a structure. True. As for attacks, it gets to make two melee attacks, one of which is a slam with a plus 16 to hit, and it does 3d12 plus 10 bludgeoning damage, or 30 damage on a hit. It's reasonable. Well, at yeah. level 18, I mean, it's and not he gets two of them, unreasonable. Right? Well, it gets two attacks, so he can do that twice, or he can throw a stone, which is a ranged weapon attack, Plus 16 to hit, and it is it is 6d10 plus 10, so 43 damage. So that's the one you're going to want to be using more often than not. Yeah. It's five foot reach seems weird for Very weird, yes. Creature. Well, you consider how big it is, I guess. It, so you consider yeah, the mean, entire like, space, but It yeah. isn't for a slam attack. Like, if, if yeah. it was going to be the guy with slam the sword and, and the battle axe, yeah. yeah, he's going to get 20 foot reach with that, right? So that was... Yeah, but a, I mean, these yeah. giant things, I imagine their fist is bigger than five feet. To me, five feet means you have to be adjacent. It's hard to slam yes. something if you're not adjacent to it. Yeah. Right? You also have to consider, like, their reach is encompassed also by the si- pure size of them that they take up on yeah. the table, right? These, I, I agree. These things are gargantuan. It, it, yeah, it, it doesn't, it, it, they have to kind of mash this into the framework the yeah, best of they the can. Yeah. And I think that's but where we're I want to be petty. Then switch to 3.5. <laughs> or Pathfinder. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the stat block. Interestingly, you've got eight very unique creatures. The Griffin has the same stat block as the Sleeping Lady. Oh, so who has the same stat block and attacks and options as so the, the Griffin's going to walk over with its yeah. humanoid hands and pick up and rocks pick up and rocks and throw them. Yeah, that Excellent. is its moves. And the guy with the sword and the shield is also going to slam attack. Yeah, it, exactly. The and it's the he gr- throws the sword because it's a rock. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. The Aarakocra is not given a fly speed. The it, Griffin's not given a fly. Like it is one stat block. I mean, first of all, this is a le- level one to five module. You shouldn't be fighting these things at any point. It shouldn't yeah. come up. But for somebody who's wanting to use this for higher level play, they clearly didn't consider that these things would ever actually be used in combat. Yeah, you're right. You've level one to five, you're not coming into that. No. Even yeah. Dungeon of the Mad Mage, I'm fairly sure I've read enough far or far enough ahead that I know we're not gonna be dealing with much of this. No. Yeah. Right? It's all you're subterranean, you're all we're, I don't even think we're supposed to leave the thing. Yeah, you can't pretty much like, ever. You you gotta go back. There's a... I'm just gonna tangent here for a second. There's the the lady with the spell books uh, from yeah. Chalt to go back to. There's the um, uh, Chris Chrisandra. What's her name? That's brother you went to deal with. Yeah. Like there's reasons to go back and forth to the top, but you're right. Not much. Like not not in the way we play, anyways. Yeah. 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 So that's the stat block. Clearly not meant to be used for combat. I don't think we really need to discuss more about how to use these things in combat homebrew these things give them your own flavor at this point if you're dming a party that's gonna be going up against these things yeah you probably have enough chops as a dm that you can at least homebrew enough to make these things unique and flavorful for each one without making them overpowered yeah yeah i was kind of thinking that with the combat sorry kyle did you have uh no i was just gonna say i think it's they're they're gonna be simple combat they are designed to overwhelm with strength right there's no subtlety in how they fight there's no tactics you're the closest bam yeah oh you dealt more damage bam it's hulk smash yeah yeah i think there's a good opportunity that we haven't looked at yet and that's all of a sudden you wake up one day and they're all gone oh and now things Mm. start coming out of the ocean 
and other things start showing up. And these were the things that these were the scarecrows. Yeah. Right. Keeping things at bay. What happens now? Okay. Yeah. I like that. I right? like that a lot. Right. So just a different spin on it. You yeah. Know? They showed up just like that, a snap of a finger. Yeah. They can disappear again like that. What do you think happened to that floating sphere when it disappeared? Mm. Was the sorceress inside of it? Did it even disappear with it? Maybe yeah, it maybe fell and came crashing to the ground. Maybe it's yeah. still sitting there hovering of its own volition. Right? Okay. Could be. Yeah, maybe. Hey, that's a good one. I like that one. All right, anyways, yeah, Kyle, I think you were next on the breakdown here. Uh, yeah, that's me. I am covering the Colossus of Akros from the Mystic Odysseys of Theros. Uh, so the Colossus is a massive statue in the guise of a traditional Greek soldier uh, with two glowing eyes and wielding a sword and a spear. It is located in Akros, which is essentially a fantasy remake of Sparta, so warrior society. Yeah, um, this guy's a hoplite-looking guy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, it, they live in a mountainous region, uh, and the Colossus acts as the last line of defense for the city. Uh, it is rarely called upon, except in times of great need, uh, when priests of Perforos, the god of the forge, awaken it to defend the city. Uh, being from Theros, it is still pretty new to the D&D landscape uh, and originally appears in Magic the Gathering. Uh, it is an unaligned CR-23 gargantuan creature uh, with an AC of 21 from natural armor. However, it is depicted as wearing armor, but since it was created to be wearing armor, I guess it also makes it natural armor? I don't know. It's a real weird well, chicken and the egg. Why don't we it's just call it unnatural armor? Yeah. It's a construct, right? It's built in... It can't really doff the armor, right? Yeah. It's built into the... Once again, itself. just me being petty and just something I noticed. And I was like, man. Uh, this is going on the internet. We can be petty. Yeah. Let's get petty. Oh, I got more. Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, I digress. It has 350 hit points, uh, 60 foot of walking speed, like the walking statues. Uh, massive 25 plus to strength and con scores uh, that are matched with saving throws of plus 16 and 14, respectively. Uh, the other stats are less than optimal, with a plus zero to dex and wisdom, and just three in intelligence and a one in charisma. Uh, for skills, it gets plus 16 in athletics, uh, plus seven to perception. Uh, it is immune to fire, poison, psychic damage, uh, as well as magical bludgeoning, slashing, and piercing. Uh, it cannot be charmed, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, stunned, or knocked unconscious, but it can still be knocked prone. Okay. Okay. So you guys, so that conversation we had it? earlier. I think I, I, that's how you, you know what? it. I picture it like the uh, snow speeders in Star Wars with yes, the that's Exactly what I was thinking. Or th- I guess no, it'd be more like the uh, ATSTs in, on Endor with the Ewoks yeah, pulling the, the ropes the across. Yeah, the wings going around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it <laughs> understands common and celestial, but cannot speak. Uh, In terms of special abilities, it has crumbling destruction, uh, like the walking statues as well. Uh, So when it's reduced to zero hit points, it crumbles in destruction, uh, forcing creatures within 30 feet to make a DC 22 deck save. Uh, This time, they will take 4d10 bludgeoning and 4d10 fire damage on a failed save, or half as much as on its success. And, okay, I was thinking that that, the crumbling statue thing, pairs really well with the siege monster ability. Right? Where it deals mm. double damage to objects. Yeah. Right? Any building. Yeah. So if this party is fighting in like a city scenario, 
they would definitely, it would, I would definitely use it as like the unintended consequence if they do fight it, right? Uh, if they didn't lure it from the city first, like, sure, you destroyed it, but now the whole city's on fire. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so it also gets fire absorption, which means not only does it not take fire damage, but it also regains hit points equal to the amount of fire damage it would have taken. Uh, take that, wizards with your fireballs. Yeah, right. Suck it, bitches. Uh, so it also gets a mutable form, so it can't be altered in any way. Um, its, atta- its attacks count as magical. Um, and for attacks, it gets to make two melee attacks uh, using any combo of its sword or spear. So the spear uh, can either be used as a ranged weapon or a melee weapon. Um, for melee, it has a 15-foot reach. And for range, it is 200 and 600 foot range. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, is that all? Uh, no, not all, actually. Oh, good. Because uh, when it throws it, it magically returns to the hand of the Colossus oh, after yeah. the attack. Excellent. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Rightly so. Why wouldn't it? Rightly so. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. The spear gets a plus 16 to hit and deals 46 plus 9 piercing damage if used one-handed or 48 plus nine if used two-handed in melee. That's not a lot of damage. No, it gets reach though, right? Yeah. Yeah. 15-foot yeah, 15 15 foot reach. Foot. So, I mean, there's, I think I'd probably adapt that into the... Absolutely, into for the, the other ones. Wrote down, yeah. yeah. Give it the reach there. I think that's kind of what you were talking about before looking yeah. for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, on top, oh yeah, the sword also gets 15-foot reach, but this one deals 68 plus nine slashing damage, which is pretty hefty, especially yeah. when it gets two of those. Uh, and on top of that, it also gets the Flame of Akros. Uh, however, I think it should have been named Flame of the Forge, but whatever. Uh, so it shoots magical flames from the Colossus towards three creatures it can see within 90 feet. Um, I think it's an interesting... Three dis- creatures? Yeah. I would have given it like a cone, like a dragon breath weapon, you would think, rather than just a targeted... Yeah, that's, that's kind of So weird. this thing's obviously shooting more fire bolts out of its mouth than it's actually shooting a flame. Yeah. Yeah, I think, okay. I think that's a good way of describing it. Okay. Like like one out of the mouth and two out of the eyes. Yeah. Uh, it's looking cross-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the this forces a creature to make a DC 24 deck save. And it takes 8d8 fire damage yeah, on a failed save uh, while also magically catching fire for one minute. Which means it's going to take 48 fire damage <laughs> oh. every round. <laughs> for a minute. Yeah. For a minute. So 10 rounds. Yeah. In so 40 D8. Yeah. Correct. But it does, whatever creature's on fire gets a saving throw at the end of each turn. Right. To but put out the flames. Stop, drop, and roll, basically. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So you can stop. Okay. Yeah. And then if you pass the original deck save, you only take half damage on the AT8. And then I assume it doesn't on-go. It's just save once and then it's done. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Yeah. What's the CR on this? I, 23. 23. Okay. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Right on. Uh, all right, you guys want to roll some dice and answer some questions? Let's do it. Do Let's it. Do it. I got a 16. I got an 18. I got a 13. All right, Brad, you're up first. Uh, how would you use this when you're uh, putting your players to quest? How would you do? I think the quest that I would give my players is the flame has gone out on this thing. Right? This is the city of Akros is basically without a defense because the flame on this thing has gone down gone out, and it is unable to move. It is unable... It has basically lost all sentience. Um, and the players need to find a way to relight the flame. And it's not going to be as simple as just t- flint and steel. There's no flame. Well, it's you said a flame... Torch. Like a flame within it, right? Is the I way said that it's eyes glowing. 
Okay. Yeah. I, that's what I was and picturing. And it shoots a flame because it yeah. was made by the I was picturing almost like, like there's a giant forge inside the heart of this thing. Right? Yeah, okay. Kind of like an iron giant. Yeah. Right? It's It's got basically a boiler or something sitting on the inside of it that is keeping this thing moving. Yeah. So whatever the life is, that whatever's generating the life inside of this thing, and I picture a flame, has gone out. And the players need to find a way to bring life back to this thing. That would be the quest I would give. Nice. All right. Kyle? Uh, oh, no, I was next. You, you were next. next. Yeah, you were, you were next last time. Although, I mean, I am more important than you, so I really shouldn't. Oh, best for last, Kyle. Let's yeah. stroke that ego here. Oh, uh, yes. You get me. You. Yeah, I, I, I have to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this one, I honestly, this is a big scary thing. Uh, if I had tier three or even tier four, I would probably use this as a one shot. Get into your thing. Try not to provoke this, though. Because I will tell you up front, players, this could be a TPK. Yeah. We're not going to put your precious characters against this, but we will put your one-shot yeah. superheroes against this. Yeah. Absolutely. That's my quest. Short and sweet, not long and drawn out. Okay. Yeah. yeah Bring me your best done. level 20 characters and we can yeah, just have a go. Yeah, let's have a little brouhaha. You, like, give me your fighters. Let's let's yeah. throw down. Yeah. Right? All right. Uh, so I thought this one was pretty tough because like, if you're going by lore... It states it's really only a last line of defense for an already almost unassailable city, yeah. right? Like it is a mountain city that is protected by a warrior class of people that is constantly warring. So nobody really like attacks them. Yeah, Sparta is a really good example. Yeah. Magic nerds, it's like red white aligned. Right? Yeah. So you get you get like the good of the 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 planes and the. Um, you know, the, the fire and the fury of the red, right? Like, yeah. that really mm. yeah, encapsulates them. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, don't worry. I, I did, th- I do think it's really cool where it's located, though, because uh, its neighbors are, like, Minotaurs, Leonin, and I, Cyclopses. So they got a oh. lot of cool monsters, yeah. like, real, like, right around the thing. No wonder they're a no, warring. Yeah, and yeah, no wonder they're well fortified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I had two suggestions. Uh, so first, like... Perforos is their deity, patron, whatever, right? Uh, and its mortal enemy is Heliod, which is the god of the sun. Uh, so I thought it would be kind of fun if, like, Heliod has taken control of this thing and is destroying the city. And so your your party has to stop it, but also, you know... You don't want not, to destroy it. Yeah, they have to figure out a way to lure the whole thing out of the city before destroying it. So it adds a little extra difficulty to the already admittedly pretty hard combat um or the other one i had was similar to yours where like the uh, brad where yeah. the fire goes out right they can't figure it out and so your party has to figure out how to make it come alive again before an invading army gets to the city right oh. i mean you got a pretty formidable army so you're gonna have some time but it's not forever yeah yeah well, all right all right uh how would you use this in a role-playing scenario I mean, this thing isn't exactly sentient, or you can't talk to the thing, right? So again, the role play is going to be probably more with the environment or those around it, right? They're probably keepers of this thing, people who are responsible for maintaining it or making sure it is polished and buffed. Yeah, priests of Perforos, uh, right? Are the ones who bring it alive, as well as. Right, so I think your role play is going to then be within the priests, right? And maybe there is some sort of infiltration that's going on within the order of the priests, Mm -hmm. right? And rather than a combat encounter or anything like that, you need to 
get to the bottom of who is the mole inside of this order of priests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay. Uh, I was thinking for role play, this would be a good opportunity to uh, maybe the realm of the mortals, is, you know, Theros is under attack from Nyx, mm. uh, the, the underworld, yeah. you know, and uh, they need to go, to, your your heroes need to go to Akros, and this is your opportunity to role play trying to conscript Akros to, to help out. I mean, it, it sounds like they're a fortified unit. They can just stay up in their mountains yeah. and let yeah. everybody else fuck off, but you have to go and role play and get these guys to bring them into the fray. Why would you? Like, why would they leave? You got to get this Colossus on your side. So as they're running around doing this thing, maybe you've got this Colossus fighting a Tromocratus in the background. That's okay. Right? Yeah. It doesn't even need to be something that they're actively doing. It can be going on somewhere else. But, you know, the, the idea of conscripting it, I mean, so often with monsters and things, well, what's the what's the best way to fight it? Well, no, no, let's let's get it working with us. Yeah, now, right. Right. That's I think how I would try it. Yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think you can really role play with the actual Colossus, but I do. I got pretty deep into a rabbit hole reading about the stuff and Theros and stuff. <laughs> but uh, like, I was reading about Perforos, and he is kind of a huge dick, right? Mm. Like, just real wishy washy, where he'll, he'll like. Love you one moment and then hate you another. Like, for some reason, he built this colossus for this warrior society that has a king and a queen, but he also hates rulers and loves artists. And these, mm. Akros isn't either. Yeah. But for some reason, he gave him a giant colossus. So, building on the invading army and this colossus doesn't work anymore, you have to go roleplay with a god and be like, come on, man. Like... The city is about to be wiped out. Give him the thing back. And he's like, you got to figure out a way to make him happy enough to give them What's in it for me? Yeah. That's a great idea. Go having to go and talk to the god about it. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not doing gods, then why are you even in Theros? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. you got to make that work. How would you handle the exploration pillar with these guys? What would you do? That's a tough one again, right? Because it's the Colossus itself. You're not going to just climb this thing. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to play some sort of game where you're taking down titans and pilot... Actually, sorry, Dave. You want to pilot this thing as a mech? Here's your opportunity. How do I get inside and pilot this thing? You know what? That's a great idea. <laughs> There's your exploration. All right. Explore, find a way in through its Achilles exactly. wheel. Through, exactly. Yeah, work your way up. <laughs> yeah. All right. No one expects the weakness. Yeah, okay. Uh, but... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I make myself laugh. That's yeah. all that matters. <laughs> uh, normally, a mirror is not involved. Um, I mean, this thing is in Acros, right? Yeah. yeah. I feel like if you're not exploring Acros, you're not exploring this. Yeah. This is. I, I. I feel like this doesn't just give you the opportunity to explore uh, this particular construct, but this particular society, mm-hmm. which was absolutely rich with tradition and custom and such. And I think that that's kind of where the the fun here is yeah 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 surrounding area not the thing itself yeah the peripheries right yeah exactly i would agree with you because it doesn't move it just stays in one place standing over the city until Until it's called a lot like the bravos thing yeah Yeah. until it's time for combat which how would you handle Yeah. yeah um i mean you don't want to be fighting against this thing no absolutely not um if you are you're bringing an army you're not just bringing your party you're going to overwhelm it with numbers rather than overwhelming it with firepower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alternatively, get some gods on your side and bring some gods in, right? Maybe 
Akros has done something that's going to offend some of the gods. And your idea is to get them on your side with whatever tools they have. Mm. Yeah, Theros is great because they give you, like, godly weapons and yeah. stuff. And it does this piety thing where, like, the more you have the gods' favor, the better the weapon is and stuff. Now, there aren't really rules for this, but I would love to see this taken on in a Shadow of the Colossus-style battle where you are literally climbing this thing, finding weak points... Yeah. Like, there are not rules as written for this. You're going to have to get into some funky homebrew. Yeah. But... There are rules for climbing or riding a structure that's moving. Sure, but it's finding weak points and how is this thing going to kick you off? What How are you going to be avoiding that? Yeah. It's a multiple checks kind of thing. I'm picturing a full-on war scene is really the way I see taking this on. Right? Get something coming at it from the air. Right, get something on your side that can attack from the air. Keep its focus up there, so that while you're down on the ground, you do not want to be tanking these beams, these firebolts. Yeah. Right. As soon as you're tanking those firebolts, it's game over for you, anyways. Right. You want other things that can be soaking that up or drawing the attention <laughs> for you. You want cannon fodder. Absolutely, Pretty you want much. cannon fodder. Go yeah. get those cyclops. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, where where your guys, like Brad, your the guys you broke down, they seemed interesting and and like they were very much. Felt like creatures. This feels like an actual bad guy that I could fight. Mm, Yours yeah. were set pieces. Yes. This is a creature oh, absolutely. that has... You get the stat block and your players are going to want to fight this thing. Yeah, and this show thing that they are moves stronger. around, yeah. right? It doesn't necessarily stay in one spot, right? So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot you can do with that there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think you guys covered it pretty well. It's... Once again, it's a construct, so there's not a lot of subtlety to the fighting. Although, the throwing the spear thing, I got really locked on it. And I just want to describe this giant colossal statue hurling a spear and just spiking a dragon against a mountain wall. And then pulling it back. Yeah. Right? Can you impale something and call it right back to you? So this thing, basically, uh, Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, right? Get over here. Yeah, it's just oh, got like yeah, a yeah. fishing reel in its yeah. wrist. Well, it, it's not oh, even yeah, I mean, just, it just magically comes back. Right? I, mean, I was just imagining it showing up in his hand again the next. Yeah, yeah. But that'd be cool too. Have it. It can yeah. either fly back, even if it just reappears. What's impaled on the end? Does Reaching, it come with oh yeah, it? it's pulling it back, and then as it does, it stabs the dragon with a sword. Yeah, yeah. Pull it back with the spear. Other hand, drive the sword into it. Oh, fuck it's man. very cool. Like you can get some really cool set combat yeah. pieces with this. Yeah, strike fear into your players by watching a. Ancient dragon getting impaled by this thing. Yeah, just have it lay waste to this area and then, like, talk it how it's so badass. And then all of a sudden, the spear comes through and pins it to a wall. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, that's not the bad guy. This nah. is the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. There's always a bigger fish, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Good. <laughs> I like that. Uh, all right, I'm up next. I've got the Warforged Colossus. All right, of course I do. It's Eberron. Yeah. yeah. As am I. Uh, now, these things vary in size. Uh, they were originally made by House Kenneth. But there's not just, like, one blueprint for them. They all have different features. The average in range between about two to 300 feet. So they are large. These are apartment building sized. Okay? They are 300 feet. That's 30 stories. That's freaking huge. Okay? Massive. Badass. Yeah, of course. Now, they, they look like Warforged, only bigger. Uh, however, again, Warforged can look fairly different as well. Uh, you can get some Warforged that have their blades you know, built into their arms 
you could have that with this as well. There is quite a lot of wiggle room to kind of make your own here. Excellent. Um, but they also give you some blueprints for ones that exist out in the world. Now, the Warforged Colossus or the Colossi are all powered by Kyber Dragon Shards. So there was the Kyber three- Crystals? Essentially, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, actually, very much, yes. Uh, and the the uh, mage rites and artificers that put these things together use the technology of the docents uh, to, to make this network of sentience to animate this large structure. Sorry, what is the docents? So a docent is a thing that uh, House Kenneth found in Zendrick. So I'm going to have to break down 100,000 things to make this Yeah, listen to the Eberron episodes. Yeah, okay. Uh, Zendrik is the old-timey, overgrown, lost civilization. Okay. They found some technology and reverse-engineered from that and got this thing that they can kind of use to make these Warforged work. Okay. The Warforged technology is very uh, deflector dish from Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, we needed to do something? Yeah. Deflector <laughs> dish, yeah. right? Uh, so, I mean, this, there's a lot here as well. They leave it quite ambiguous, like the, the water deep statues, uh, to kind of make you do your own thing. But mm. the, the idea is that they use the same kind of technology to give sentience. Uh, they are made, again, of wood and metal, like every other Warforged. These things are a CR-25, and they are pretty much only found in Sire, which is the nation that was destroyed by the Morning, which is now just essentially the Mornland. These don't exist where people do, okay? Uh, they are abandoned. There's, in fact, a list of seven of them in the Eberron book uh, that gives you the different, you know, quirks for, for just the seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are numbered, and it looks like the numbers always start with WX, uh, and the highest one that they got in the book is 73. So there's at least that many of them out there. Uh, although these ones kind of vary. Yeah. Are there more? What do they do? Make up your own mind, right? Fill in uh, the story. Yeah, one of them, um, I believe, has no legs and is just kind of crawling around the Mornland. Uh, like not really dragging sent- itself with yeah, its dragging arms? itself around, yeah. So you're imagining this thing probably had legs at one point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's cool. Yeah, this is like the top half of an apartment building dragging yeah. itself around this wasteland of glass there's terror for you right and that's that's honestly one of the weaker ones yeah uh these things are scary now they were built by house kenneth for sire during the last war but they weren't around for too long the idea of warforged and how they came to be is a long complicated process but when a mummy warforged loves a daddy warforged (laughs) not quite (laughs) (laughs) uh the colossi are the most recent of the warforged creations now, that means that they're pretty new. They weren't around very long before the morning happened. Uh, so they didn't get to spread out into the world very far. They really are just in the Mornland. They were originally used to battle house, uh, sorry, the nation of Karnath, uh, which is essentially the undead empire to the north. They started invading and got to the capital city of Metrol. And the, then the Warforged Colossus showed up and repelled the invaders and really started turning the tides of things. Perhaps this is why the morning happened. Uh, they brought out a super weapon. The other guys brought out a super weapon. Right. Nuclear winter. Exactly. It is worth noting that these guys are barely sentient on their own, and they do not require a crew to pilot them, uh, but they do operate better with a crew. Uh, that being said, let's uh, get into their stat block here real quick. They have an AC of 23, so good luck. Uh, their hit points are an average of 410. It's 20d20 20 plus 200. 
Oh. With oh. that DC. Yeah. You're barely going to be hitting it, and when yeah. you do, it's not even going to be a dent. Yeah. Uh, it's got a speed of 60 feet, which sounds like a lot, but I figure that's probably only a step or two. Yeah. yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, its strength is 30, as is its con. Its dex and wisdom are 11, and its intelligence and charisma are both below 10. So it's got it's good at two things, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be a theme. Yeah, exactly. The saving throws kind of surprised me because it's intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. It gets uh, those saves. Really? Uh, which, yeah, Despite seems... the fact that it has no stats in them. Right? Yeah, but I mean, I guess because it's got the mind crystal thing. Right, that's magic. It's, it's not part of its mind. It. That's that's yeah. that's different. The the crystal is the power source. Yeah. You basically can't really. It doesn't have a mind to affect. So it, in some ways, makes sense that it's going to have advantage on saves. Because uh. what are you really hitting? But but no, didn't you say that they reversed engineered the? I'm sorry. So so yeah. So the docent, think of it as like the electrical system. Yeah. And that's what powers it. They're, sorry, that's what transmits the signals through it. Yeah. But okay, you it know still needs picture, a heart. Yeah, those that. Fiber optic thing, you know, uh, yeah, like yeah, long yeah. and fuzzy, and just think of it like the docents, like the circulatory system, yeah. and the kyber crystals, the heart. Okay, all right. Does yeah. that make more sense? Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's the power and the uh, the rest of it. Uh, it is immune to necrotic and poison damage and uh, non magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. Mm-hmm. It's also immune to being charmed, exhausted, frightened, incapacitated, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, and stunned. It gets true sight out to 150 feet, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, considering it's only barely sentient, it gets true sight. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, the statues had it as well. Yeah, 120 feet, I think, but still. Did your Colossus have true sight? No, mine's just did dark vision. Interesting. It, it just seemed a little out of place, although it's a CR 25. Yeah. Give, yeah. It, give it true sight. I, I think the necrotic damage immunity is weird. Can Compared to the ours. Well, what are you, yeah, I guess so. Because, yeah, maybe it actually has stuff that you could waste away. Well, there would be I mean, organic matter. Organic matter, yeah. so. Yeah. No, but our, yeah, ours didn't have necrotic Immunity. resistance. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And ours would be less organic than yeah. yours, if anything. Yeah, the yeah, statues yeah. absolutely should have it. Yeah. I think this is time showing its age, right? Well, I mean, how... What was the break between Dragon Heist, Eberron, yeah. and Theros, right? Like, they all came out well-spaced apart. Yeah. The Warforged Colossus also understands common, but it can't speak. So, in theory, you could speak to it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Whereas I don't think that was the case with the Colossus. or Morgan statues. No. Mine yeah. speaks common and uh, celestial. Celestial, okay, yeah. Or it doesn't speak it, but understands it. Yeah. Sure. No, the statues have no languages. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this guy can, can understand, but not speak back. Uh, and there's a really cool why he can't speak back, but I'll, I'll get there in a second. Uh, it is a CR25, like I said. Now, the Colossus has immutable form as an ability, which means it is immune to any spell or effect that would alter its Same form. Same as the other ones. Yeah. Uh, it has legendary resistances, three a day. If it fails, it can just be like, no, fuck you. Uh, At that, that CR, it better. Yeah. yeah, of course, right? Uh, magic resistance, it has advantage on saving throws against spells. Uh, Siege monster, again, we already went yeah. over that with the other ones. And it has Towering Terror. So any enemy that uh, starts its turn within 30 feet has to make a DC 26 Wisdom save or be frightened. 26. 26. Jeez. Uh, if you are Good su- luck, Melee you, cast. You, yeah. get to, you get to make Marshals. this save again. Yeah. And once you're successful, you're immune for 24 hours. Uh, but I mean, that's pretty standard. But yeah. Really, still good luck still going to suck for your Marshals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for its attacks, it does get a multi-attack. It makes three... One with its slam and two with its eldritch turrets. Ooh. And then it makes its stomp attack. So the slam uh, is an 18 to hit and it does 3d12 plus 10. It's 20 foot reach on it. 
uh, yeah, just 3d12 plus 10 bludgeoning damage, and it can choose to push the target 20 feet away. The Eldritch Turret gets two of them. It's a plus 18 to hit as well. Its range is 300 feet. Jeez. And it goes. It does 4d8 force damage. Uh, and if the target is a creature, it's knocked prone. That's the one that's crazy to me. Yeah. Just automatically knocks it prone if it hits you. Yep. And I mean, force damage too. What's immune yeah. to force damage? Not much. Not, Not much. Almost nothing. No. It has like and good luck running away from that. Well, thing. and and your it's, warlock who likes to stay out of range yeah. and fire their 300 feet. I'm going to misty yeah. step away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it also has true sight. You're going invisible? No, you're not. <laughs> the, the the really cool thing here is the stomp ability. Yeah. Okay? So the colossus stomps onto its feet at a point on the ground and everything within 20 feet of it has to make a DC 26 dex save. Or take 6d10 bludgeoning damage and fall prone. Wow. Yeah. There's no running away from this thing. Until the Colossus uses its stomp again or it moves, the col- or the, the target is restrained. So it stands on you and holds you there. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. You can get out of it, but it's a DC 26 strength check. Oh, yeah, they just lift this giant Colossus foot off me. Well, right? I think it's more of a like... You yeah, we use all myself out. Yeah. Uh, structures as well as non-magical objects that are neither being worn nor carried take the same amount of damage if they're in the 20-foot radius thing. That is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I really like that. But it's only its second coolest attack. The coolest attack is the incinerating beam. Now this recharges on a 5 or a 6. Essentially, the Colossus fires a beam of light in a 150-foot line that's 10 feet wide. Each creature in the line has to make a DC 26 deck save, uh, on a failure, it takes 11d10 radiant damage, or half as much on a success. Good God, Lordy. If you are reduced to zero hit points by this beam, you are disintegrated, leaving behind nothing. That, sorry, leaving behind anything that was worn or carried. Okay, sorry. How? So you are not being resurrected. So this is a mouth beam. It essentially spits hot fire. Yeah. How yeah. long is this beam again? 150 feet and 10 feet. 150 long. feet. <laughs> yeah. This... Every five to six yeah. rounds. So let's say twice a minute. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, that's pretty badass. Hey? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Right. So don't fight this thing. <laughs> no, like this, this yeah. thing is gonna fuck you up, whichever way it wants, and yeah. it doesn't care. Uh, that being said, let's uh, roll some dice here. I got a couple more questions for you. Oh boy, not one. What have I got there? I can't quite see. Six. Oh, eight. Hey, you're going first with an eight. Woo! Winner. I went third with a 17. You're going first with an eight. Uh, what kind of quests would you use these guys in the, the Warforged Colossus? I got three words for you. Giant robot battle. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I love the idea of pitting two of these things against each other. And you could do a whole campaign around just building it, right? Like, I love the idea that they're, like, plug-and-play as well. So, you know... You're going out, collecting pieces. You let the party pick and choose the pieces they can go get to get different abilities, to get different strengths on their whole thing, to get like their own final product, right? And then in the end, you have this great multi-part showdown. Because like the inside of the classes too, I love how you, like it can be manned, right? Like it's like a walking castle kind of thing. Yeah, I know. I, we're going to get to it, but it's still like, right, you... I need to talk about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the quest idea. It, like, I like the idea where, like, one party member is controlling the actual robot, you know, and then you've got the artificer going around repairing oh, yeah. bits yeah, and pieces off it. teamwork. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you've got... Somebody's oh, operating the weapon system. Somebody's operating the mobility systems. Well, I was thinking instead of that, right, because 
who wants to just move around a giant robot? More like you have one person controlling it and then you have other people repelling borders, right? Like mm. I'm thinking like a whole giant fucking battle, right? Like where it's two countries against each other because I think that also fits in well with the whole Eberron setting. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. It's all the warring nations, right? Yeah, and so you have all like entire armies and their army is trying to scale up this monster like the Shadow of the yeah. Colossus thing. So you got your teammates repelling borders and fighting inside and stuff like that. And, you know, just love it. I love That's it. rad. I love it. What do you got, Brad? I think the quest for this one that I'm giving a party is that they are trying to find one of these that is lost. Right? Imagine a lost nuclear weapon. Yeah. Right? That's a kind of a big deal if you don't know where these things are. Mm-hmm. And one has just suddenly disappeared. Nobody knows where it is. Nobody knows where it went. You need to track this thing down because we need to keep tabs on these things. What's what's so scary about them is nobody really knows where most of them are. Yeah. Right? But there was one that was known and it has suddenly disappeared. Mm -hmm. Where did it go? Who has it? And what are their plans for it? That's your quest. Oh, I love that. I mean, this to me screams get in there, snatch and grab. Or alternatively, uh, there's a large creature attacking the city sure what can we throw against this yeah this uh, guy the Tarask showed showed up in sharn yeah, yeah. what do oh, we got oh kaiju battle exactly yeah. <laughs> right yeah, yeah yeah for a role play kyle what do you got uh i mean once again it is a construct so role playing with the actual thing is it can't difficult. speak <laughs> it can't speak but i mean i guess you could hand wave it a little bit with yeah. these lost ones right like what, what have they been doing all this time well, they've been lost out in the wilderness kind of thing. So, I mean, you could do it. Um, I I like the idea of if you're taking... Uh, if I was going to use my previous example where I was doing a giant robot battle and they were had to track down different pieces, I would always... At each different piece, I would always have a monster that is too strong for the party to fight, right? Something yeah. guarding it, something that's made its layer. And so you make the players try to find a creative way of still getting that piece or getting around whatever, right? So the players role play to find rumors about monsters that might be hidden around it. So they find out that it's whatever, an ancient black dragon. So now your party has to figure out, okay, what does the black dragon want? How can we exchange uh, treasure with this black dragon for the piece we want? Okay. I like it. All right. Role play. We talk so much about role play as being conversation, right? World building. How about you have one of these things, right? These massive weapons of destruction. It's been left alone on its own out in the wilderness. It has found an oasis and is caring for... It has basically built up this entire eco oh. ecosystem around this wellspring. Yeah. And no one has seen this thing. It's around here. And all you do is, watching from a distance, you can watch this thing actually taking care of plant life. It can literally rip out any plant of any size and move it wherever it wants to oh, go. Yeah, whole trees. Yeah, like, so it it's transplanting care. like parts of forests from here to there. And I love that. you want to know, basically, what do you do with this, right? Do you leave this thing to continue its work? Yeah. Or is there something else going on? Why is this thing acting so against its very nature of destruction? Yeah, it's seen this horrible thing and now it's... Yeah. You know, it wants to create beauty rather than Exactly. No, I like that. I like that idea a lot. Right. Now you're world building. No. In a in a endless wasteland, mm-hmm. you have this center of beauty created by this creature of pure destruction. Great idea. Yeah, I like that. Uh I was thinking that the Warforged themselves, since the last war has ended, I've always been struggling to kind of find their place in the world. Mm-hmm. 
And I was kind of thinking about the Colossus in this manner. And the fact that they were new to the world. They don't really... They have an intelligence. Their intelligence is a three. But they have an intelligence. They're sentient. Not very, but they understand. Mm -hmm. So what happens if you make an infant and leave it in an area with nothing else for years Mm -hmm. and years? And it's got to fend for itself and you come across it. What if you come across the one that hasn't had any legs and it's been crawling for years trying to find anything? Holy shit, man. Damn. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's going to be so many jokes, right? <laughs> yeah. You ain't got no legs, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, could, I couldn't resist it. No, no, you're getting... Neither with the players. Yeah, yeah, right? But I just, I just, I feel like there's, you, you release the sentience into the world and then nobody looked after it and you yeah. come back to it years later, what is the effect on its psyche? Mm. Yeah, I think right? that what? was a really interesting thought uh, or like consequence of the whole thing right something nobody ever considered what about these things because they're they're creatures too yeah Mm -hmm. they're they're not just wooden metal things yeah they're not mindless machines no they feel well maybe not feel but like they yeah yeah, feel i guess they they've got emotion there's more to them that's isn't that the idea of the warforged like they don't have any memories after the morning right like they're trying to they don't remember why they were created or something uh, I haven't I'm, thought about Warforged in a while. So I'm not sure about that. I think that just they were made and forged for war. Yeah. And then the war ended and what do they do? Okay. No I, purpose I, beyond yeah. that. Yeah, I might be getting mixed up with something else. I mean, these things too, right? These things obviously have no purpose and have been completely abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think there's fun with that. Uh, how would you do ex- exploration with this? I mean, that's one of the three pillars. Yeah. Yeah. So, honestly, I'm, I'm just going to keep going with the idea I had earlier. I like the idea of making the party track down where these things are located, right? So they'll find bits and pieces of maps. The They have to go get rumors about stuff they might have heard from other people. And you really make them work for the locations, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think you're going to get anything from the Warforge itself, but to find that Warforge Colossus in the first place. There's a lot of pl- clues and a lot of exploration that you can really dig into, especially when they're like wandering through the wasteland and stuff, right? Where there's mm-hmm. no real... Getting Markers. to the Colossus could be, you know, the, your tier three, yeah, you know, end yeah. goal milestone, and then tier four, you have this now. Yeah. yeah, these things are bigger than some dungeons, bigger than many dungeons. Yep, there's your exploration right there. Just oh, yeah. exploring the guts of these things. Yeah, right. What was abandoned inside? What kind of ancient, forgotten technology could be inside of these things? Well, I mean, it's the docent network. Yeah, what was hidden in secret spots within these things? Yeah. Who is taking who's living inside of these? It's a good these point. These things are big, mm-hmm. right? You're gonna have more than just rats walking around in well, these things, right? You can have whole cultures living inside these things. It brought up the idea of it fighting Karnath, and Karnath was kind of the, the nation of the undead. Yep. Full of un- sure, have it crawling with Dungeon. undead. What about an undead colossus? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I'm not I'm not sure that translates directly well. Yeah. Sure. But you gotta make some you gotta wiggle there with it. You know, you I, it could, or it could just be Colossus manned by the undead. That's yeah. scary enough. <laughs> right? Just like uh, <laughs> shuffling through. Exactly. Like yeah. you want exploration. You don't even have to go outside of these things. There can just be one. You already know where it is, you get there. Now you have to figure out what's inside. Yeah. You know what and I'm what's thinking? taking it over. Uh Judge Dread. Right, where they go into the tenement block and it's like a whole city yep. inside a Absolutely. tenement block and they just have to fight like layer by layer. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was picturing with this. Yeah. yeah. Right. It, it is a dungeon. It absolutely could be. I mean, I think of Kyle, you brought up the idea of making it ahead of time. Maybe like getting or maybe yeah, you brought it. I know you say make your own pieces, right? Yeah, make yeah. your own pieces. I remember right. one of the first sessions I ever played, I'm talking 
like session two ever over at Dan and his buddy Nick's place. Mm. Uh, we sat down with the Stronghold Builders Guide and mm. built a dungeon or built a, a keep for our our guys. That was our session. Yeah. Build a keep, price it out, yep. figure it out. That's a great midweeks absolutely material right there right yeah it gives your players a long-term goal exactly exactly the uh the exploration here though for me i mean the mornland mm. yeah right? it, it's not necessarily these guys are the exploration they could be yeah they, could be. they are living dungeons you could crawl through them but i think the exploration might be getting to them mm-hmm. uh combat kyle i mean disintegration beam and smash hold people down i don't know i was like I imagine it just gives a me whole battle thing around it. Like it's not you're not just fighting this thing. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces in this battle. Oh, absolutely! Right. It just gives me the vision of a uh, Godzilla prying the mouth open yep. and breathing fire down absolutely. into it. Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, no, you are not just going into these things straight up one on one battle. You're not bringing. You're not even bringing an army against these things because these things were made to decimate armies. Yeah. You are bringing one against another or a monster of equal size that you are luring out. You are starting a chase sequence where you find something as big and bad in a cavern somewhere. You find a Tarask and you lure the Tarask out to face this thing. And whoever wins, you win. Because you're getting rid of at least one bad thing. That's a great idea. I like another idea. Every tier, they have to collect a different Colossus. And at the end, they got to put them all together and... Yeah. Fight the big bad guy. I just, I'm a Power Ranger. I was going to say, you were just earlier. discussing the Power Rangers. Yeah, I'm not, it's Netflix in the back special. of my mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see where this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all about the Jaeger kaiju. I am yeah. also imagining yeah. Pokemon, right? Where you're collecting a bunch of monsters to throw at it. It's like, Tarras, I choose you. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was the new Suicide Squad. Did the giant star you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well. We've broken those three down. However, there is a little bit more I'd like to cover here. The Warforged Colossus, I think, deserves a little bit more recognition because it does so much more than everything else. All right, so now you got to keep in mind that weeks before the morning, the first Colossus was pressed into service to defend Sire's capital of Metral. All right, uh, the Carnathi invasion was coming, and the, the Colossus just laid absolute waste to them killing hundreds as it's walking through, using its breath weapon to wipe out. I'm calling it a breath weapon. It doesn't call it a breath weapon. It's, I'm a, gonna breath call, yeah, it's it, a breath it's weapon. It's a breath weapon. Okay. Uh, using that to, to just wipe out legions at a time, right? Like, this is crazy. You you got your uh, army lined up in formation. Yeah. How many guys are in 150 feet? A lot. A lot. Yeah. Right? Especially they're standing shoulder to shoulder. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. As right? I said, you're not bringing an army to face these guys. Right. Uh, and then just stomp with a twenty foot radius. You said right? Yeah, it's like a like a column of twenty feet. It, yeah. it just yeah yeah done, okay right. Uh, now because they weren't in service for very long, they never really managed to expand too far. Sire was in an, under an invasion, and they managed to help them repel the invasion, but they never really made it out of the borders of Sire. So they're pretty much all in the Mornland. There, there does specifically mention one that isn't, but it doesn't tell you why. It specifically says no one's sure how it got there. So, like, there's there's room to, to fill wiggle in the blanks, on it, DM. but fill in the blanks, yeah. Uh, it struck me as kind of odd that, um, in, in my head, it, it's canon that Warforged can survive and, and move around in the Mornland relatively unscathed. Mm-hmm. How come these things were shut down when the morning happened? Because that, that is a specific part of lore. When the morning happened, it shut these down. 
So there's Why? something else to them beyond. Right. It just it just seems like there's there's something missing there. Mm-hmm. Okay. It might just be convenient. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I, it just might be a piece of information I haven't come across. I'm, it could yeah, be right, yeah. but it just or is it like a temporary shutdown, right? Like well, so I mean, much damage that's like or like zap something from it, and then just time heals all wounds. <laughs> I it it I, could be. I, I mean, it comes like back word, online yeah. later on and then tries to figure out what's going on. But because yeah. it does talk about how some of them, like there is the one still crawling around, but that's a one off. Right. So it's it's kind of ambiguous in that manner. Uh, the Colossi were made as a result of the success that House Kenneth was having making machines of war. They started by making these golems that were barely sentient, and then they made the Warforged Titan, uh, which is kind of your middleman between the Warforged and the, the Colossus. Uh, but it, it culminated in, in the Colossus being the, the pinnacle of engineering. Everybody thought that they nailed it with the Warforged. No, no, they had nothing until these Colossus showed up. Yeah. All right. Uh, and it took them years upon years. And it was a good thing that they paired with Sire because that was pretty much one of the only nations that had the money to uh, to fund this kind of thing. The amount of uh, kyber crystal that goes in this is absurd. The amount of artificers needed to infuse the magic into this was incredible, right? This yeah. was, Just the amount of metal that's in a single one, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it would even. Like, to get these things carved, it would take master sculptors and... And uh, metal smiths and all sorts of... These are massive machines of war to a massive scale. Like, you think about how much goes into a modern warship and multiply that by whatever factor it is to get these. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, essentially, the Colossus could direct itself without the crew, like I mentioned before, but it is far more effective when it has the full crew. Now, the crew will consist of one captain. Now, this captain does have... Uh, the Mark of Making. You guys are familiar yeah. with Dragon Marks. I'm not going to get into that. If no, you want to find out more, listen to the Eberron episodes. That's going to take too long. Don't have time. Uh, the, the captains controlled it by wearing a mithril helmet that connects to the construct with hundreds of semi-organic tendril wires. I've seen this movie. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so they get up there and they put their helmet on. Now, they also uh, can have uh, helmsmen uh, controlling each limb. And they also have... Um, and they also have a weapon officer. Now the, the helmsman, they always have the mark of passage and the weapon, uh, and the weapon officer always has the mark of storm. So it's very particular to them. Now I mentioned before the docents are the things that control it. Now the docent, again, go back to the Eberron thing. That'll explain it all. This is ancient technology. There is one proper docent. Uh, that is kind of connected to the mithril helmet, and it's called the master docent. But the thing that controls everything else are referred to as docent nodes. So where the captain plugs in with the helmet and connects to the master docent, he can control everything. But there is a docent node at essentially every joint, every ankle, knee, wrist, elbow, where you can sit a helmsman there, and they can interact with that node and control it independently. Right. And you can do the same thing with the with the the weapons officer. He can kind of sit in the different areas to to shoot the weapons or to control the weapons. But it can also only be done by the cap, or it can also be done by the captain by himself as well. Mm. So it can do it on its own. It can do it with a crew of like 15. It can do it with a crew of one. It can do it with just about anything. Okay? Right. Yeah. So there. And it can operate with no crew. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it, it says right in it that it doesn't operate as effectively, but yeah. it doesn't say what that is. Yeah. Right? No stats for it. You're going to have to make it up yourself. Pretty much. The the source of the Colossus power, we already went over this. This is the power core. Uh, it's roughly a barrel-sized kyber crystal. It would be no small feat that this thing exists. Yeah. The idea of getting one of these crystals of this magnitude, let alone at least 73 of them, is something else yeah where did these come from i'm unfamiliar with what these are exactly the dragon shards yeah uh so essentially five minute history of ever um there were three dragons uh i forget one of their names um but eberron is one of them and the idea is that they were friends and then one of them crossed the others and the dragon eberron wrapped around one of the other dragons and formed the world. But the third dragon was destroyed before that happened and sent shards into space. And those shards occasionally come down and those are the dragon shards. Okay. Okay. Meteorites. So, yeah, yeah right. so the core of the world is the one dragon, the outside is, is, is the other, and then the shards are the, okay. are the, the remnants of the third. So it's using ancient dragon power to, to do this. There are shards for all three kinds of dragon, but mm. this particular is Kyber. Uh, in addition to be physically imposing and able to crush anything in its path, uh, House Kenneth was not satisfied with these, and they started binding elementals to the Colossi. Oh, yeah. Why not? Go wrong. Right? How could that ever backfire? Most of the Colossi had mouth cannons, but some also had the energy cannons installed in their hands, like Iron Man. Awesome. Some had adamantine swords imbued with fire elementals, so now you do have giant flame-sorted <laughs> oh, guys yeah. wandering around, Okay. Some used earth elementals to increase their armor, and some used air elementals to deflect range attacks. Okay? Somebody had fun writing this, There's eh? a lot going on here. When you were talking about you can do what you want with it, oh yeah, buddy, you absolutely can. Yeah. You absolutely can. Uh, the weapons officer controls most of the uh, elemental side of things, clearly. Mm -hmm. uh, but it could also be controlled by the captain at the same time, right? right? The standard Colossus has six levels. Uh, this does not include the arms and legs. They're, they're kind of their own thing. Uh, I went over that each joint has a, a spot for an operator. These are seats that you buckle into. Think like the uh, the turrets in, in the Millennium Falcon, right? Sure. You sit down and you're moving around. There's there's you know things to do. When the leg is moving, you got to be in your seat, right? Yeah. Tray table up. Tray you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Seat in its upright position. Yeah. So uh, the the lowest level of it is the hips okay because you know legs right. starts at the hips uh and this is mainly just like troop and supply storage you can hold a lot of troops in here it does specifically say in the lore that at the end of the day the guys will sit down park the thing and camp outside but there is absolutely no reason i see where they couldn't live in one of these for an extended period of time mm -hmm. if they yeah. were well supplied and didn't have to come out hunker down yeah. hunker down absolutely lots of room for storage especially if you have only got a couple of guys in there lots of room yeah, yeah. i imagine if it's got like a full complement of troops so it's a little tight right it could be but i think it's more of the idea they're going to walk through the barrier the 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 fortify area and then release the troops in trojan yeah. horse styly without the trickery right yeah i'm just imagining this thing pooping out troops I'm just imagining these guys being stuck in there for like weeks at a time and having to throw the dung buckets out the yeah. back, right? <laughs> Somebody just welds the exit door shut. Yeah. There's no way out except to jump. Right? The next level up is the abdomen. This is essentially just for storage and holds the power core. This is where the one power core is. It kind of sits there suspended in the air and it's got wires and shit going everywhere. Mm. But that's kind of what's going on here in the abdomen level. 
The chest is next up. <laughs> See what I did there? I made the joke again. Uh, and it has beds and a dining area. Then uh, this, the the fourth and final level of the midsection is the shoulders. This is kind of where the access to the arms goes down. And this is where the mounted ballista is. Uh, yeah. Right in the middle of the chest. You can get in there and start firing, firing bolts. Again, Iron Man style. That's pretty damn cool. Uh, there are also three moderately sized rooms uh, on, on the shoulders level. So, like, there is a lot of space. You could... Yeah hold quite a few troops in here. It would be uncomfortable, but you absolutely could. The head has the last two levels. There's the weapons deck at Noth level and the main control platform above that. So the captain's going to kind of be up there on his own. In the brain. In the brain, essentially. Mm. And then you got the guy shooting the mouth cannon, which I absolutely love the idea. Firing my laser. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, Adventurers that find a Colossus could find it pretty much in any state whether that's deactivated or not. Uh, maybe they only find a part of it. Maybe it's just the head. Maybe it's just an arm. Maybe it's sentient. Maybe it's not. The inside of the Colossus is not a friendly place, though, to those that are not part of the crew. Uh, there are hatches all over it. There's some in the heels, pretty much at every level, okay? Yeah. Mm. Uh, there are access hatches, so it's only natural to think that bad guys would try to get in them. Yeah. House Kenneth thought of this. They have imbued the inside with all sorts of traps and marks of warding that become active when the captain is no longer attached to the brain. Oh. So if there's no captain, sneaky, it gets sneaky. fucking dangerous inside. Yeah. And none of these will have a captain at this point. Pretty much. Yeah. Now, the actual wharf or the, the Colossus itself can still yep. manually do things, but it also talks about how it can lock doors and stuff, and it can and slam doors and trap people inside. This is so fucking cool. Very cool. Right? Yeah. You could do so much with this, right? It just, you could have a, a, a whole tier of your campaign inside this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. For sure. Right? You got the challenges of climbing up the legs, which essentially are just ladders. There's not much in them, mm -hmm. same with the arms. Mm -hmm. uh, you may have a gunner for the, like, the palm cannons yeah. or whatever. But other than that, like, it's not much to it. So there's so much to do here, right? Like, you can get stuck in here for a long period of time maybe you know you get your guys stuck in different levels and they've got to figure out how to connect with the different nodes in order to convince it to do a certain thing this uh 2001 space odyssey stuck inside a spaceship and you have to communicate with the computer yeah. that only yeah. has a really basic understanding of what's going on yeah. dude this is the thing yeah i was picturing these things seeing you boarding them as a parasite you are the parasite that it is tr virus that it is trying to keep out yeah, yeah. Right? Unless you have some reason to be there, why would it want you inside? Uh, oh, man. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing to you. I was also... This I just struck me. Like, what if something crazy was piloting this thing? Like, what if a beholder got up into its head and now you're trying to, like, sneak up in through this thing and this beholder is just controlling everything around? Imagine, like... Or a colony of mind flayers and yeah. taking it over? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I can imagine, like, some sort of, like... Not camera system, but something like that inside, right? Mm -hmm. Where the captain should be able to see all of the goings on within and without. Yeah. Right? So as you think you're sneaking through, this thing's got eyes on you the whole way through. It knows where you are. Oh, well, it would. Like, it's, yeah. it's There'd be an internal security system where it would know exactly what room is occupied. I mean, yeah, it's a living construct, right? Yeah. yeah. The, my, okay, this is just my mind cannon, but... Uh, That's a mouth cannon, not a mind cannon. What? It's a mouth cannon, not a mind cannon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like the pilot, when he's connected to the brain, he'll feel intruders like an itch in his body. Yeah. 
so you can like feel it. I like it. Rolling up, and then it like it goes to scratch it, and it sets off a bunch of traps or something. That's cool. I mean, you think of it, yeah, like a like a sentient thirty story apartment building that yeah. you have to come, mm-hmm. you know, traverse your way through. Fuck, that's cool. Fuck, the thing is so badass. Yeah, I, I think I got a favorite. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, hands down. All right. So before we wrap up this episode, let's cut to our last ad break. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes and comments. Engagement like that help us pop up on search engines and keep the show running. All right, you guys have any final thoughts or inspirations for any of these constructs? Yeah, the next one shot that I run, you guys are going to be fighting in one of these. Yeah, one of the, right. one of the colossuses. Colossuses? Colossi. Colossi. Yeah. I mean, I think the main takeaway here is these are not living creatures. They are objects. Based constructs. on their intelligence, they're constructs, right? So don't mm-hmm. treat them as if they are intelligent. Remember that they are, at best, semi-autonomous. At worst, they are just beasts made of or inorganic materials. Yeah, all right. And treat them as such, right? Yeah. Um, if you go, if you try and give them any intelligence, you're creating something new outside of these bounds. Yeah, that's a good point. Giving them intelligence really changes the. the yeah, it changes the entire dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Honestly, I want to do a whole campaign around. These Warforged Colossus. I'm telling you, Kyle, Eberron, we're sleeping on this. Like, yeah. Eberron's so fucking let's, cool. Let's forget Mad Mage. We're starting again. <laughs> Brand new campaign. You're start- <laughs> yeah. You've got the right DM for that. I'm open to it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in it. All right, so that's all for this discussion on Gargantuan Constructs in 5th edition. Make sure you subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be taking a deep dive into all the special kinds of boons and gifts that Dungeon Masters may grant their players. After enough bribes and snacks and beer, of course. Of course. Thank you for listening to another episode of It's a Mimic. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com. If you don't know what that is by now, you obviously haven't listened to the other 227 (laughs) regular episodes. So welcome. Yeah, welcome to our show. This was your first. What an entry point. There's also a store at www.itsamimic.com that has some It's a Mimic merch, and there's also a Patreon. This episode and others can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits, and don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. We are about, what, 10 years out from the spell plague, so this is not been here very long. Okay. This is fairly... No, sorry, we're a little longer than that. Cut that, Adam. I don't know how far we are. I don't need angry nerds at me. Get at me, nerds. Cut that, 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 do 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 do
griffins suddenly appear whenever you are near. So good. <laughs> Okay, see you next time.